This show is part of the WND Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more shows from WND, please head to our website at wndpress.com backslash podcast to see our current lineup. Only polishes die, you fucking idiot! So on the day of this recording, it is the 23rd birthday of the opposite of December. Turn it off. Birthday. Turn it off. Happy birthday. Oh my god, dude! Happy birthday. Poison the well. Terrible. Hate it. I mean, no. Yep. Yep. I hate no. it. It's terrible. I, no, I have listened to it again. I have I have tried to absorb something from it, and and I got nothing. It was like blood from a stone. Uh, no, it's good. Okay, well, agree to disagree that no, you are also wrong. I don't. I don't agree to disagree. I disagree. I I, I agree that I am disagreeing. Mm-hmm. I hate this. Um. Anyway, <laughs> it's their birthday. No. I. What I really want to talk about is uh the the lineup for Rockville. Oh yes, you sent it to me today. It's quite shocking. Um, I am we. Hit, I, I mean, it, it, there's so many bad bands. <laughs> there, there is. There's a lot. There are so many bad bands. But there's a good number of really good ones too. If you besides besides Pantera, who is headlining the third day, are there any other bands that you would want to see on this? Oh yeah, Slipknot, Rob Zombie. Um, God, who else is playing? Now, now, uh, now I have to look at it. There's so Thursday is Slipknot, Rob Zombie, Queens of the Stone Age. Um, that's cool. I'd love to see all. That's three the headlining. Uh, and that same day, Converge is playing. Converge and, yeah, why and suicidal tendencies. Converge? Why wouldn't I want to watch suicidal? I mean, like um, you're straight from the path. Bad thing. No, of course not. Uh, Bullet for My Valentine, Black Veil Brides, Pucifer, and Trivium are also playing that day. I think it's Pucifer, like Lucifer. Uh, Pucifer. Um, Friday is Avenged Sevenfold, Evanescence, and Hardy. I don't know who Hardy <laughs> is. So Jesse called me, and Jesse goes, Jesse goes, I will give you 10 guesses as to the one band that I am so excited to see. And I went through a bunch of them, and I went, Evanescence? And he goes, yes, wake me up. And then started, like, screaming at me through his phone. <laughs> Dude, your brother, your brother is such a contrarian that he will sit through Evanescence and talk about how great they are. He will sit through them just to watch that one song. Friday is a bad day, definitely. I mean, you've got Asking Alexandria, Motionless and White. Nobody wants to see any of this. There's literally uh, not a, a good band on that day. That no, I can see. it truly is a bad one. Um, but Saturday, Pantera, Alice Cooper, Knocked Loose is playing. Um Sepultura, Suicide Silence. The Bronx? Uh, why did I say Suicide Silence like they were good? I just recognized I don't them. know why. Yeah. I, why did you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, The Bronx, which I'm sure are fun to see live. Actually, I have seen them live. They are um, they are such a blast live. They're one of the best yeah, live bands I mean, I've ever I'll, seen. I'll probably wander away. Um, and then Sunday, you got Pennywise, Anti-Flag, <laughs> Dev Heaven, Angel Dust. Um, not a not a lot of good ones that I, I oh, guess really what? Sunday's the best day. Uh, uh, Sunday's oh, the sorry. best day. Uh, I'm sorry. Tool, it's Tool, so, Tool Deftones, <laughs> and Incubus are headlining, and then uh, Mars Volta, Coed and Cambria, Pennywise. Um, you've got Bilter, Def Heaven, Anti Flag, Census Fail, 
There's more yeah. Angel Dust. There are more you good bands named, on that day. You have named so many bands I couldn't give a shit about. Are you telling me right now? Are you telling me right now in this moment that you would not want to watch a band called Bob Villain? <laughs> That's funny. But <laughs> I do I do not want to sit through Tool. I do not want to sit through Incubus, the Mars Volta, Coheed and Cambria, Senses Fail. A- a- any of them i mean that's a trash day that's a day i won't be there i'll be there saturday i will be there i will be there thursday night to see slipknot and rob zombie i will be there saturday to see pantera and uh pantera because i don't really care knock loose fine i'll watch them but whatever um no so here's here's something i learned no you're gonna go all days and here's something no, i learned not. about yes yes you are uh I'm so not. here's yeah you are um here's what i've learned about us though <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot, um, about why your music sucks and mine doesn't. Um, and and here's what it comes down to is is our opinions, like what we look for in music, is totally different. Like sure. you are an emotional music listener. Like yeah. you want to listen to stuff that moves you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like to listen to stuff that's like technically proficient. Because you are a math warlock, you are a science bitch. That is why you are a big walking like bloody heart and it's disgusting and i don't like it like yeah, it doesn't make any that. sense that you don't like poison the well because that is their that's their logo it's just no, like it's a heart false. that goes that the, their their logo is a heart that just goes i'm sad and it has legs and walks away that's you you are that you are that thing when it comes to music you no, no, like no, no, no. i you like i stuff. don't appreciate inauthentic emotion that's what i don't appreciate it so, has to be raw it has to be visceral and it has to be real which is the most important part yeah, but that's why your scope of music is so limited. No, it's really not. It is. Well, you I, like, I'm sorry. You I like don't bands need that kiss to kiss their own butts. I don't. I'm sorry that I don't need to listen to a thousand subpar bands, and I'll only listen to a hundred good one. Good, good See, bands. that's the thing. You. So that's the thing. You think they're subpar. I actually think they're fantastic, and there is a big difference there, and that's because they are actually fantastic, and your ears are broken, and the thing between your ears is also broken. What's between my ears? Your whole head. Your whole head is broken. <laughs> my whole head. Ah. Your whole head is between your ears. Oh no! <laughs> uh, oh, so, no. so <laughs> my head. Uh, my point. My point is, is that um, did we just share? We have different values when it comes to what we look for in music. Sure, and that's why we do this show because it makes for a fun show. Because if we just agreed with everybody all the time or agreed with each other all the time, it would be boring as shit. This is not fun. Uh, well, maybe not for you, but I love to argue, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, I hate it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey. I'm Shane. And we are back with part two of Trustkill Records, The Deep Dive. I have been listening to so many of these bands, and I am so sick of hearing chaos chords at this point in time. Like, there are so many, like... Everything is in four time. That's that's something I was listening to. I was listening to everything, and I was like, everything is in four. Like it's it's so, like it's so repetitive. Some of this stuff. I thought four four time was like the standard time. Yeah, no, it is. But what I'm what I'm saying is like it's it they, like when you listen to some of these bands and some of the albums, they're so repetitive. Like it's so like the riff just goes on too long, in many of these situations. Also, no, I was gonna say I was gonna talk about eighteen visions, but we're gonna talk about them later. Well, I mean, the, the, the way that these songs are generally written is not your normal verse, chorus, verse when it comes to 90s metalcore. It's like first part, second part, third part, breakdown, back to first part, 
then fourth part, then, you know, it's just, it's strung together. Like speaking of 18 visions, I actually did go back and listen to the best of this weekend. And those songs are like five minutes long and rarely does a riff repeat. You know, it's just one thing stacked after the other. It's a very it's strange parts. way of writing music. Yeah. It's parts. It's, it's a lot of parts. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. What's the word that Slayer uses? Um, oh God, it's on, it's on the song. It's on piece by piece. We were just talking about this. Piece by piece. Modulistic. Modulistic is, is the word. It's, it's made of pieces go together. It's made by piece by piece. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're going to dispense with the extraneous segments and let's just dive right back in to this hot topic bargain bin of bullshit. I can't wait to one day just do an episode that just says we can just call it oops all segments. <laughs> oops all segments. So, to recap last week, uh, we started our excavation of the most infamous, at least to us, uh, metalcore, one of the most infamous uh, uh, metalcore labels of our heyday, Trust Kill Records. Founder Josh Grabel uh, started the label in 1994, and by the late 90s, early 2000s, he hit pay dirt when he started releasing records by the hyped metalcore bands of the day, like Poison the Well... 18 Visions, Throwdown, Walls of Jericho, Hope's Fall, and a slew of others. Um, and, and, you know, many, 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 many that should be forgotten to time forever. Now, uh, from their yes. humble beginnings, uh, when they were churning out records by Harvest, Despair, and the always unlistenable but nevertheless prolific Brothers Keeper, Trustkill <laughs> managed to establish themselves as a powerhouse, almost on par with Victory Records at one point, and that was due in part to the band we closed last week with, Poison the Well. Who you've already brought up multiple times, uh, dude? Um, I listened to. I listened to. I, I. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about him in a little bit. I personally took umbrage with Poison the Well on last week's episode, as I have on many occasions. They were a band that defined an era, not for the better, but for the worse. And back then, when they released their debut full length, The Opposite of December in 1999. They were everywhere, and their particular brand of emotional metalcore changed the course of underground music forever. Just think of any band from the 2000s who had ridiculous hair and singing screaming parts in their songs, and there you shall find Poison the Well's rotten DNA, like a crime scene. (laughs) And Trustkill Records was the delivery device by which they conquered the hardcore scene for a brief period of time. Anyway. So let us rejoin the tale in the year 2000 when Trustkill was at their peak, releasing one underground hit after another by questionable bands everywhere. I like that we're going back 22 years. Oh, it's too far. It's too much. I don't like it. So I call this section 18V, more like 18VD. <laughs> you got them. So, you, really, you really took them down a, a, a notch. The band was very sexual. So... The next big Trustkill record was arguably the second full length by Orange County, California's 18 Visions, and that record was called Until the Ink Runs Out. That's a good one. I like that one. It's not bad. Trustkill had released a three-song EP by the band in 99 called No Time for Love, but Until the Ink was the band's first Trustkill release of real substantive length. So 18 Visions formed in 95 under the name Macabre, which was quickly and thankfully changed. Apparently the 18 in their name stems from 666 or 6 times 3, 
which, you know, would be 18, not six times six times six because 216 visions is just way too many visions. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's more than enough visions. We don't need that many visions. <laughs> it should be noted that throughout the band's tenure, they would uh, the lineup would feature members of Throwdown, Bleeding Through, and Monuments to Thieves, among others. We were all pretty decent groups in their own right. We're going to say yeah. some positive stuff about the Truskill roster, right, like here at the beginning. Yeah. Um, 18 Visions played a heavier type of metalcore than Poison the Well, but with their own stupid gimmick to set it apart. You know, they really tried to lean into the rock star cokehead persona, even though they were all straight edge, which would have been clever and funny if it wasn't so annoying. Mm -hmm. So lead vocalist James Hart, he was a well-known... Uh, quantity in the scene. He was he was a known person. He was always clad in sunglasses and some faux leather bike jacket. And he would often just hump the microphone, hump the stage, hump the air, hump his bandmates while the band was performing. He was just gyrate around on stage like Scott Weiland as if he discovered Earth Crisis before he discovered heroin, which was a completely different thing. Sure. And there was always a sexuality to 18 Visions that at the time was easy to overlook. Because, as we said last week, compared to a lot of their contemporaries, 18 Visions music still holds up somewhat. But, in hindsight, I wouldn't say that it's aged well. Mm, no. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's slimy. It's a little slimy. little slimy. <laughs> so, James Hart's signature move was dangling the microphone between his legs during sing-along parts. Was it consistent with the vibe? Yeah. Gross? Absolutely. Yeah. So, lyrically, the band was about as laughable as Poison the Well, a little less simpy. It was laughable in a different way. So, instead of wailing about, you know, sleep on portraits, painted as perfect as you. That was good. That was a good impression. James Hart would instead roar lines like, if you're not going to ride the rocket, then get the fuck off. So, (laughs) so, so ridiculous. (laughs) I would also make the argument that this band is responsible for fashion core. Yeah, they were, but they I would say that for some reason the look that they had was transferred but not the music. Right. Because that's what I mean. If you if you listen to some of their music, it's like those are death metal riffs. Those are not bad. Not bad. Right. But right. The, it's just the, it's just people took the sunglasses and like the that that style, that like rock and roll, like white belt spin kicky stuff that wasn't yeah. the good stuff that we liked. They that they they brought up the fashion core thing and that's why we have bands like Black Veil Brides now. And like yeah, people like that, Ronnie Radke. Yeah, that's an that, there's probably a direct correlation. I mean, God, white belts, man. Do you remember that? Yeah, white belt bands. Remember, <laughs> dude, we mentioned <laughs> it before, but we got to mention it again. There was uh, a, a short-lived Total Recall side project called Alpine Strike. It <laughs> 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 was, was a white belt band, and it would just be Justin. And on drums and Tom on vocals and I forgot who played guitar, but it was just like they would just do crazy noodling and Justin would do blast beats and Tom would just go. Ah, wah, wah. <laughs> 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 oh, it was so funny. We would end so many practices with Alpine Strike. I loved it. Oh, anyway. So it was all bad, but. 18 Visions, you know, we hear it, I don't want to hear it, maintain that despite their obvious flaws, they do still hold up today as one of the better bands, better metalcore bands of the early 2000s, even if they managed to make becoming a hairstylist a real goal for a good many hardcore kids in the aughts. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was a thing. I <laughs> Everybody's going to do hair. I was ridiculous. Not barbers. Do hair. 
No, they were yeah, they were gonna go like it was very different. Like I mean, there's a lot of barbers now. Like a lot of hardcore kids are either tattoo artists or barbers or sure you know, in jail. Uh, but like yeah, <laughs> at the time it was like uh, it was it, it yeah everybody wanted to go work in a salon. Like yeah, everybody was, was like really into hairspray for a minute. It's very strange. Um, so until the ink runs out, actually became one of Trust Kill's best selling releases. So much so that Josh Grabell purchased the rights to the band's older material from their previous labels to assemble a new recording in 2001, but more on that later. Yeah, so we'll yeah we'll get to that. Now, another Watershed release for Trustkill came along in 2000, and it's a split EP between Floridians Shai Halud and upstate New Yorkers Another Victim. So, uh, the record was entitled A Whole New Level of Sickness, featuring three songs from each band, and we did a deep dive on Shai Halud earlier in the show's lifespan. Uh, you should go listen to it. They're still one of our favorites and one of the best metalcore bands who have ever emerged from this swamp-ridden excuse of a state, even if the brains behind them, Matt Fox, ignores our request for an interview. Uh, still never got a response on that. Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, Another Victim was an above-average straight-edge metalcore band from Syracuse, members of which would go on to uh, to one of the greatest, most underappreciated bands of the early 2000s, The Promise. That's according to Mikey. I don't really give a shit about The Promise. Um, you are just the most broken person. Why would I care about that? It doesn't move me. Because they're a great band. Yeah, they but do, it doesn't move do, me. They do what they do so well, and they were short-lived. About, I don't Ugh. care about consistency. Wow, that uh, that <laughs> sentence you said makes no sense. It makes no sense. Now, all around, a, a new level of sickness was a great release, though Shai Halud's side was the one that everybody cared about, the one to write home about, with the band contributing the yes. new, at the time, soon-to-be-released track, Set Your Body Ablaze, which is arguably my favorite mosh call-out. Oh, yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's literally somebody telling you to light yourself on fire. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, you so know, many good and, lyrics in that song. So many good lyrics in that song. I am the wayward son of man. My fathers have darkened what was the warmest heart this world would have ever known. Relish in what you've created, deprived of life, a formless <laughs> shadow, deprived of life. What you? What did you think of the uh, re-recording they did on uh, Misanthropy Pure? I mean, I prefer the original because the it's a little too fast. The breakdown at the end is a little too fast. Yeah, I got you. Okay, but it's now good. Uh, I, I like Misanthropy Pure. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's good. It's just it's different. It's clean. It's very clean recording. We talked we clean. talked about all that though. Uh, <laughs> now uh, the, the the also on their side they released bad a cover of Bad Religion's Anesthesia, which is fucking awesome. Um, yeah. and No Effects Linoleum, which I want to say might have been one of the first times I ever heard Linoleum. <laughs> really? I maybe I don't know. I feel like it, maybe it was the first time I recognized what a cover was. I didn't know I was doing this show with such a big poser. Yeah. Hey, it's been 22 years. I am no longer a new Jack, my friend. Go fuck yourself. Uh, I mean, both of these were mind-blowing, though. It was really cool. It was really cool to hear that, especially from, like, punk bands that we enjoy, you know? Yeah, it was a big surprise because, like, I always thought those two worlds were separate. Actually, we've had this conversation before, too, and we talked about Shia Lee, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we say, can we stop talking about that, please? Yeah, All right, literally so now, the same thing. In, in 2000, in the year 2000, in the year 2000... Uh, which is a great segment by uh, by Conan O'Brien. If you're not familiar with his comedy, yeah, I don't know why if don't you, you like, use oh, other people's comedy bits. On uh, show that Trustkill released. A, shut up! I'm trying to talk. Uh, Trustkill <laughs> released an EP entitled "Jet Black Art" by a Swedish metal band called The Great Deceiver. Uh, the vocalist of that band, none other than the legendary vo- voice behind At the Gates and countless other great metal groups, Thomas Lindbergh. Hmm. Yeah. So how was it? Yeah, it was serviceable. It was fine-ish. 
worked, I guess. Uh, but probably one of Lindbergh's most, like, kind of only misses in his entire musical career. Like, it's not one of the ones that you gotta really go over. Like, you could tell it's him, but it's just kind of over mostly boring music, uh, which is less a criticism of him and more of the band or the songwriting. Just wasn't, it was just okay. It wasn't anything like, yeah. It wasn't anything mind blowing. Not my favorite. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of, whatever. Now, to finish out the millennium, uh, on a decidedly average note, Trustkill next released Building a Desert uh, by the sleep-inducing emo group Idle Hands. I went to listen to this today. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you fall asleep? Uh, yeah, okay. I fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, but since the record uh, sported, basically, nobody cared about it then. Nobody cares about it now. I mean, there's maybe a couple people that are like, man, the Idle Hands record is good. You are the only person. Yeah, there's five, you can count them all on one hand. Yeah, you are the only person. Now, uh, but the record sported the Trustkill logo, so more copies were sold than had any right to be sold or really should have made it to somebody's ears. Yeah, I, Idle Hands is like, woo! Woo! Not good. But I think, I think that's the thing about this label. Like, I think that's the thing is like, there's a couple gems in the yeah. piles of shit. Yeah. And and that it's it's just because it was they were popular for a hot second. It was trust kill people bought it. So yeah, two thousand one was a rather light year for trust kill in comparison to two thousand, and then what would come in two thousand two. So first, the label released the DVD of the Hellfest documentary, Hellfest two thousand. <laughs> yes. For some of us, was a window into a world we hadn't yet been able to fully participate in. Like I didn't get, I, I didn't get to go to my first fest probably until two thousand or two thousand one, and it most certainly wasn't Hellfest. It's was fucking Magic Fest in Orlando. Oh, see, my first like big festival of this was like Warp Tour. I mean, I guess I'd been to Warp Tour uh, a couple. But hardcore is different. But, hardcore is yeah, different. We know that. Yeah, like a hardcore fest. Um, now I know for me. This was the very first time I ever saw footage of Converge, and they there were non-Truskill bands featured in the movie along with Truskill bands, but Truskill just put it out. Uh, yeah. The DVD ends with Converge performing their seven-minute magnum opus. This was before they started collaborating with opera singers. Uh, <laughs> the saddest day to a crowd of hundreds of screaming kids, and they all did the cats out of the bag part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like... The first time I heard The Saddest Day, I was blown away by it because that's a song that almost doesn't let up for seven minutes of just just crushing it's chaos. chaos. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and, and the footage was very intense, though we would see them incite a riot like later that year, which was way more fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So other bands included in the documentary were Shai Halud, who we love, uh, One King Down, Walls of Jericho, we talked about them last week. Nora, talked about them last week as well. And Brothers Keeper, because of course. Of, of course. Brothers Keeper. Everybody's favorite band they hate. Oh, God. Speaking of Brothers Keeper, now for the last time, thank Christ, Trustkill would release the band's final full length in 2001, a record entitled Fantasy Killer. And the amount of times Emilia subjected me to this drivel during our constant road trips back and forth to the social to see God only knows who I shall never forgive. I shall never forget. <laughs> oh, yeah. So bad. It's so bad. Oh, it's the worst. Uh, then there was the blink and you'll miss it. Le home robot robotic, which I always thought was robotic by spark lights. The friction. 
There's not much to say. If you like whining, non-dynamic vocals over average guitar riffs, and this is right up your alley, but I think it's boring ass. <laughs> Agreed. Also, it's also in 2001, Ferret Records founder, Carl Severson, his band Nora, released their first full-length on Trustkill, which was called Loser's Intuition. And I will double down on what I said last week or what I made you say. I can't remember. When it comes to early 2000s (laughs) metalcore, Nora ain't bad. I think it was you that said that. Well, I'm doubling down. No singy, screamy parts. A lot of fast riffs, heavy breakdowns, and some pretty above-average vocals. Not bad at all. Uh, But Treskill would finish out 2001 in spectacular fashion. Uh, fashion being the operative word, beginning with 18 Vision's next release. So, so stupid. The confusingly <laughs> titled... <stupid> joke. <laughs> <laughs> the confusingly titled The Best of 18 Visions. So these were old songs. They were old songs, yes, but the band actually re-recorded the material to make it sound like a brand new album. Which seems like a bit of a jip, but these are, without a doubt, the definitive versions of many of these tracks, which makes the search for 18V's first EP lifeless, or their forgotten debut full-length Yesterday's Time killed a moot point. And I listened to this again this weekend, and yes, there's some songs that I could do without, but the psychotic thought, I mean, it's five minutes of just getting your ass beat by a guy in a tiny little t-shirt it's it's pretty good man i don't hate it i mean yeah it's good it's 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 one of the ones that arguably stands up um compared to the rest of this discography oh yeah the psychotic thought man that is that is a killer song yeah yeah, I, 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 I do appreciate that one. All right, so Trustkill's final release of 2001, which was just, you know, a horrible year for so many reasons. Um, it would debut, it would be the debut LP from a band that would become a hardcore institution in the years to come. And this record was Nothing in Vain by Most Precious Blood. My yeah! least, My least favorite Most Precious Blood record. Oh, absolutely. That That is true. That is my least favorite as well. Yeah, well, and we'll get into that. So Most Precious Blood formed from the ashes of New York City's Indecision, another highly regarded band from the late 90s. Uh, and 1999's release, The Cure, is still considered a high watermark for the genre of metalcore, as is Nothing in Vain. So super influential people. Yep. Now, the Most Precious Blood would be plagued by the same inconsistent lineup and bad luck kind of situations as indecision uh, a condition some referred to as the indecision curse we call it the florida curse uh nothing in vain still stands out as trust kills uh, one of trust kills biggest and most well regarded releases um and I, I agree people tend to point to this record and be like that was a good one it's a pretty good one but it's just nobody knew what was going to come next it's uh it's the buddha uh, in Blink-182's yeah. catalog, you know, and nobody <laughs> cares about that. Uh, now, uh, Most Precious Blood would go on to dump vocalist Tom Sheehan, uh, just as Indecision did in the 1990s, and replace him, this time Rob Fusco, or Fusco? Fusco. 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 Uh, from One King Down, and he replaced him instead of Millhouse's Artie Philly, uh, and they went to release three more quality LPs. I, uh, I'll never forget seeing them at, uh, there was a night that we... We had a choice. We could have gone to the social to see Boys Night Out or go to Back Booth and see Most Precious Blood. And we all went to go see Most Precious Blood instead. I don't um, remember that show. 
Uh, it was awesome because what we ended up doing was after the show, we went to the vegan hot dog cart and we played dice with boys night out. So that was the best thing that could have happened in that situation. Oh, really? Cool. Um, I, so, uh, uh, I remember seeing them with hate breed in Daytona and I lost my mind for a while. It took me a while to find it. Yeah. I got, uh, I got in like three fights that night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was all yeah. during hate breed, not during most precious blood, but I yeah. was jumping up on people feet first, jumping up on their shoulders putting my feet on their shoulders and then diving into the crowd. There was one time uh, it came up on, I think Spotify or something. I was listening to our lady of annihilation and the great Mm -hmm. red shift came up, but there was a typo and it just said the great red shit. (laughs) I was like, that's good. Yeah. Uh, That sounds, that sounds like a pretty intense uh, hardcore song. Now, um, by 2002, metalcore had eclipsed traditional hardcore, at least in the popular sense, and you were kind of seeing this, like, stranglehold on hardcore uh, from this weird metalcore genre. Like, it just was, like, ever-present, and, you know, it, it was real It was real kind of horror show at the time. And again, we attribute this to Freddie Madball being in jail during the subgenre's most popular years, and Trustkill was riding high on a slew of critically and commercially acclaimed releases. And we're going to talk about more of them, uh, a few more of them, but as usual, when we do these label deep dives, we tend to focus on the years that we remember and that we care about the most, uh, and uh, yeah, maybe not the ones that we, we've kind of lost interest in. But Trustkill most definitely followed the same pattern as Victory, in auspicious early days into a noteworthy heyday, but once you get into the kind of deep back half of their discography, uh, or even look at the years that they were putting stuff out. There's some bad shit in there. Um, you just kind of get a lot of bad, a lot of bad, uh, and, and some really obviously derivative bands that you can kind of only insult so much before it gets tedious and boring and kind of repetitive. Um, you know, we could go through the entire discography and just be like, bad, next, bad, yes. next, like that's because that's kind of what it is. Uh, and that's no fun for us. It's no fun for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to profile a few more Trust Kills classics before we get into how, apparently, just like Tony Victory, Josh Grabell wasn't super fond of paying his bands. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when it comes to Trust Kill in 2002, we've got to talk about Poison the Wells, highly anticipated follow-up to the opposite of December. (laughs) They should have called it, like, the synonym of December. Uh, And that record was called Tear from the Red. I listened to that record today. Well, I didn't. I, I think it's a I think it's a better written record. I will say that. I don't like it as much as Opposite of December, but I think it's a better written. It's like it's the songwriting is better on it. Oh, is it? The yeah. album was originally slated to drop on Valentine's Day 2002, but that was too lame even for Josh Grabell, so the album came out the following Tuesday. Now, Tear from the Red features such thought-provoking lyrics as, You always smell the same. Everything smells of you. I hate your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Tear from the Red saw the band moving in a more mature direction, which, in this case, translates to channeling the Deftones throughout most of the record and abandoning any interesting-sounding metalcore riffs in favor of a sound that was heavy, but (laughs) not really. Despite the record... (laughs) Despite the record being a success, it would be the last time Poison the Well would achieve a large measure of critical praise as the band's follow-ups were regarded with more and more of a lukewarm response. I mean, who remembers You Come Before You or Versions at all? Were those really the next records? Were those really the next records or did we just make that up? Who knows and who cares? No. No. Versions is good. Uh, And so is the Tropic Rot. No. Yep. Sucks. Take it back. Nope. <laughs> Take it back. You will never <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> You will never walk on the moon. No. 
<laughs> you think I'm gonna wear an astronaut suit? Take it back. <laughs> you never took a moment to YouTube. Speaking of lukewarm, 2002 would bring listeners not one but two releases by a band that truly personifies that adjective. That band is Hope's Fall. Uh, <laughs> I like this band. I like this band a lot. Uh, and you're wrong. So Hope's Fall, um, sometimes stylized as dot little h Hope's Fall dot, uh, were a group of Charlotte, North Carolina, fr- from Charlotte, North Carolina. They had a lot in common with Poison Well as far as their sound went, though they were initially a Christian band, which was actually fairly common in those days. There were, it seemed like there were a lot of Christian bands at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where they've gone. Where'd they go? Yeah. I mean, the Tim Lambesis went to jail, so I guess yeah, that's, yeah. you know. Uh, but most of them were not great. We know that. Uh, and uh, if you thought that, you would also be correct. Um, but, uh, you know, I digress. We don't need to talk about Christian bands. The rub with Hope's Fall was that they were they, was that they had kind of, like, perfected their sound. Uh, and they began to incorporate a spacey sort of theme into their music, not unlike legendary bands like Hum and Failure, who are vastly better at everything and are bands that people still remember and listen to without screaming, except for me. I like all those bands. I totally get the Hum and Failure references. Um, Mm -hmm. They're better bands. They're better bands. The new, to be fair, Arbiter, the newest Hope's Fall record, is fucking great. It's like a perfect mix of all the things that they do right. Okay. Well, I'll trust you on that one. You won't ever listen to it, and that sucks because you're depriving yourself of joy. Anyway, Trustkill re-released Hope's Falls EP, No Wings to Speak Of, the same year that they put out their debut full-length, The Satellite Years. Uh, lead songwriter Ryan Parrish would exit the band at this time because he felt Trustkill was compromising the band's Christian message. Apparently, the rest of Hope's Fall didn't care because they wanted some of that Poison the Well 18V money and presumably the hookers and coke that went with it. Just kidding. Everybody in in this entire tale is boring and straight edge, so you're not going to see that happen. Now, another band that was perfecting their sound at this time was, in fact, 18 Visions. So in 2002, the band did a full lean into their rock star personas and released Vanity, a record Uh. that sounded a record that sounded an awful lot like Stone Temple Pilots but somehow worse and better at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird record. Vanity was a divisive release, even down to the bright pink cover that was mocked, especially for the hit track, I Don't Mind. But at the same time, it was also heralded for being pretty original. In hindsight, it's kind of a lukewarm rock and roll record with some heavy mosh parts. The obvious damage it did to the scene that birthed it could be seen on display in the bands of the coming years. Avenge Sevenfold, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, Bullet for My Valentine, and all the rest of the translucent emo kids who thought impersonating Bon Jovi was a way to sell records. They weren't wrong, but it didn't last as long as they'd hoped because few gimmicks do. And thank God for that, we say. In recent years... 18 Visions has returned with a sound more reminiscent of their metallic early days, and that's just fine with us. I was thinking about this because I was listening to 18 Visions earlier today, and I was like, you know, they do metal the metalcore part really well. They do the rock and roll part when they do that by itself really well. They don't mix the two well. Yeah, it's like oil and water. Yeah, they don't they don't really nail that. They're better when they kind of separate those personalities. Now, uh 2003 brought listeners three pretty burly records from Trustkill and Trustkill-affiliated alumni. First, there was Bleeding Through's This Is Love, This Is Murderous. Uh, I hated this band. 
<laughs> record. Now, uh, Bleeding Through featured 18 Visions guitarist uh, uh, Christopher Maloney. No. Uh, I'm sorry. No. No! Uh, <laughs> Bleeding Through featured 18 Visions guitarist and Christopher Maloney uh, doppelganger Brendan Schiapetti. Brendan Schiapetti. Schiapetti on vocals. I don't, can't read that. It's too many eyes. Um, now, they There's were, they were kind of a... There are one, two, three, four. There are four vowels in that word. Yeah, two eyes. Too many eyes. Like uh, in your face. Ah, now, they were kind of a you, sort of a mixture of that, old. You know, it, it was a good joke. He's a Christopher Maloney doppelganger, and no one's going to get that now. Bleeding Through featured 18 Visions guitarist and Christopher Maloney doppelganger Brendan Schipetti on vocals. Thank you. Take four. Uh, now they were they were a sort of a kind of a mixture of AFI and 18 Visions with maybe just a smidge of Cradle of Filth, kind of. I don't know. I don't hear any of that. Um, uh, maybe the keyboards. Maybe that's what you're getting. Uh, they, there's keyboards in this band. Don't question uh, me. Uh, sort of like a goth mosh metal with a succession of female keyboardists that endured years of sexual harassment from the prepubescent fans of the band. I imagine they were kind of like with Walls of Jericho when people talk about bleeding through, they're like, there's a girl in the band. And people just yeah, kind of did that a lot. They always which talked was probably about keyboardists. Annoying. They had a couple of female keyboardists who were I mean, yeah, they were somewhat attractive, so like everybody like flipped their shit. Right. Instead of being like we like this band. Now, This Is Love was the band's second LP and first for Trustkill. You can tell what year it came out, not by looking at the release information, but by a sample from Boondock Saints that starts off the first track. And and while Mikey argues that it ain't bad, it's bad. I listened to it and I was like, God. Like that for a few not- seconds, this place was Armageddon. There was a firefight. I wonder, I wonder how many... Hmm. Nope. I wonder how many bands use that. Like, there's, there had to have been so many that used that. I mean, I've only ever heard them use it, but I have heard other Boondock Saints samples, which that was the that was the quintessential early two thousands movie. Yeah, everybody sure. had everybody was saw yeah, everybody was like all, all about times. them. Now, next came another eight divisions associated act, Throwdown. Throwdown came out, uh, and Throwdown formed in 1997 as a bit of a joke band, but somewhere along the way, they managed to start taking things a little bit more seriously. But is it not true that every mosh band kind of starts out as a joke and then kind of like starts taking themselves too seriously? Now, Trustkill released the band's third full-length Haymaker after significant lineup changes resulted in Throwdown having almost no original members remaining, uh, and they pulled a real autumn offering on that one. It's mm-hmm. a real inside. That's inside. That's some inside baseball for people who They're don't a know. famous band. Come on. Oh yeah, they they literally. There was one point I saw a music video of them, like at their like their last music video, and there was nobody in that band. <laughs> no, not a single original member left. I would like, just like to- like removed oh. by three. <laughs> oh yeah, I just want to watch Sean Robbins watch that video and just punch everything. <laughs> I I kind of like the idea that like Sean could watch that video and be like, I have no fucking idea who that is <laughs> in his own band. Who's now his uh, fucking band, fuck them. Why is he wearing leather gauntlets? Now, uh, Haymaker saw Throwdown leaving the 90s mosh sound behind and doing a pretty worthy hate breed impression. Uh, now they sound kind of like Pantera if nobody in the band drank. So like a straight edge Pantera, which is kind of cool. Uh, and uh, Most Precious Blood sophomore full length was also released in 2003, Our Lady of Annihilation, which this record is so good. It still holds up today and it is fantastic. From 
from you know front to back, it is an unbelievable hardcore record. Um, yeah. And not just for the cover art, too. The cover art depicting Mary Magdalene uh, in a suicide vest. It is... So, like I imagine people were so upset with this. Oh yeah, they were and it but it was great. I remember them having to put the the sticker <laughs> over yeah. the Virgin Mary in a suicide vest. But she's got straight up <laughs> sticks of dynamite strapped to her chest. Yeah, it's great though. I re- I re-listened to it for the first time in a while uh the other day and it, every song fucking hits, man. It yeah. is so good. Oh yeah, it's 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 an awesome. I mean, this is probably like a a jewel in the in the shit crown that is Trustkill. Oh, absolutely. It's one of I think it's one of the best records that ever came out on this label. One hundred percent. It's so much so that I forgot it came out on Trustkill. I was like, that can't be a Trustkill record. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 2004 would see the meh Trustkill releases truly eclipse the remarkable. For every one with the underdogs by Terror, the band's debut full length, which I re-listened to the first time in a long time the other day, and I almost drove my car up my own ass. There were <laughs> three or four releases by the likes of Arms Bend Back, one word, Roses Are Red, or Bedlight for Blue Eyes. Sure, <laughs> Walls of Jericho's second LP, All Hail the Dead, was worth a listen, and I, I, I actually truly enjoy it. But by this point in 2004... Truskill had become a direct-producing machine, just like their big brother, Victory Records. So that's where we're going to see ourselves out of the discography. Yeah, we didn't mention 18 Visions' Obsession, or First Blood's California, or even Crash Romeo's Minutes to Miles. Woohoo! Just moved past it. Uh, but speaking of Victory Records, before we close out this episode, we've got to address the financial allegations against Josh Grabell and his eventual departure from Truskill Records. <laughs> we are going to call the section X Money X. Yeah! Yes! yes! That was everybody. Everybody all the time was X something X all the time. Expo X, Expo X. I don't like it. Um, I did like uh, X Men X. That was good. A good one. <laughs> X Weapon X, man. X Weapon X. X Files X. Um, Those now, fucking knock uh, loose guys fucking took that shit from us. We had that X. We had X Weapon X in two thousand two. Yeah, we were ready. For Give me it. money. We were so much. We were so cool. Now, uh, okay. So we got to preface this section by saying that none of these allegations have been proven in the court of law. So we release ourselves of any liability here. We're not going to get ourselves in trouble. So Grabel isn't necessarily guilty of anything. However, we contend that where there's smoke, there's usually fire. And a large number of bands who once called Trustkill home have accused of Grabel of mishandling their money and or paying them out of pittance, uh, uh, if anything at all. Uh, you know, they're not really, it's not really, it doesn't sound like there are good standards of practice here. They're not raking in the jack. No, so to be fair, we'll croak Grabel here. Uh, this was a bit of a blanket statement he gave to No Echo when asked about the various controversies he and his label were embroiled in with other musicians. And on the topic of, accus- of the accusations, he says, quote, A lot of it is miscommunication, but a lot of it is also just dudes in bands not understanding either A, how the business works, B, the fact that the business is changing rapidly and what worked last month won't work next month, or C, their place in the business after years of believing their own hype. 
end quote. So it's a bit smarmy, but that's kind of his stance on it. It's basically, it's a lot of misunderstanding, and also you're not as important. Yeah, he sounds like the typical fucking record label guy. Like, yeah. guys aren't important. It's like, hey, you don't have your business if we don't make music, so shut your shut your shit up. Yeah, like we're shut here because the you shit up. Yeah, she shut up. Um, yeah, I mean that's just kind of what it comes down to. Is like it just sounds like he wasn't running things well. But again, we don't know. Maybe he's right. Maybe he didn't do any of this stuff that we're uh, about to say. So we'll start with Poison the Well, uh, mm-hmm. my favorite. And he too- <laughs> yeah, your favorite band ever. In a 2013 podcast interview, Poison the Well drummer Chris Hornbrook Hornbrook spoke ill of the label and President Josh Grabell, saying the band went through, quote, dumb shit with that guy and that he owed the band money. Succinct. Uh, I was wondering, um, are you also concerned that Poison the Well uh, made China symbols popular? Oh, I think there were other bands before Poison the Well that rocked the China and the mosh part. I mean, Unearth band, Stings of Consciousness. Yeah, but that was like kind of at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was a good impression. You should it's do more one. China symbols. <laughs> like that's a really good. That's a really good sound in this audio format. Yeah, it's fun. Um, Hope's Fall also had some issues with Josh Grabell. After their break at the beginning of 2008, after I threw a party, Hope's Fall began releasing <laughs> negative comments about Trustkill, including, quote, I hate Trustkill and its owner. Ha 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 ha. Yes, four ha's exactly. Quote, he's not the reason we broke up, but I, we do hate him. End quote. Really, they just dropped the whole Christian thing as fast as they could. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the band claimed to be $20,000 in debt due to Grabell and also claimed that Treskill ripped off the band by removing songs from their final album, Magnetic North, without discussing it with the band first. I contend this may have actually made the final product better as the less songs on it, the more listenable it probably <laughs> was. Man, you are rude. Uh, ah. So the album was recorded, mastered, and ready to be released when the songs were removed by Trustkill, which is a dick move. Hope's Fall later released a downloadable file containing B-sides and demos from Magnetic North. I'm sure not as many people downloaded it as they had hoped. In an interview, in an interview on Ryan's Rock Show, drummer Jason Tribue stated that Grabell added Hope's Fall to Warp Tour in 2005. Then two weeks into the tour, Grabell stopped paying for the bus. Oh my god. <laughs> kind of funny (laughs) yeah why don't you guys get your wings and your hops and fly to the next gig you pieces of shit so the band had to take out a loan to pay the driver and get home in the same interview tribute stated that grabelle quote pretty much owed every band on that label money end quote in response to these issues grabelle stated quote tribute does not speak a shred of truth i heard those guys get into some pretty hardcore drugs and they are just miserable end quote <laughs> what a way to dismiss that yeah you guys are fucking junkies uh, go fuck yourself so yeah he's from, they he's, like coke he's that's from new fault, jersey remember yeah oh yeah right i think he's from, did i say is he from new jersey you did I say forgot. that you you mentioned specifically that he did not have the tracksuit. oh yeah yeah but i cut that part out i said that he didn't wear his state issued tracksuit. Yeah, that was a good joke, but it didn't hit right. Anyway, uh, no, it was in there. You left it. Fuck you. Anyway, ah. st- <laughs> straight edge Pantera impersonators 
throwdown of their own go around with Grabel. I should have said throwdown of their own throwdown with Grabel. That would have made more sense. You, yeah, you missed. You can always restart and do it again. <clears throat> no. Throwdown. <laughs> <laughs> throwdown. Throwdown into their <clears throat> throwdown into their three album contract with Trustkill Records in 2007 with the release of Venom and Tears. Nearly a year after the release, the band felt it was necessary to quote air out years of dirty laundry with Josh Grabell of Trustkill Records end quote and publicly release their feelings about the label. On March 31st, 2008, Trustkill breached the band's contract, and as of July 2008, despite sending the label a notice of breach, nothing was resolved. The label owes Throwdown, quote, tens of thousands of dollars in unpaid royalties for CDs sold and has a history of not paying the band their royalties on time, end quote. I can't believe Throwdown is owed tens of thousands of dollars for CDs. Well, they were, I, I you might not remember this, but they were all over MTV for a while. Like, they were, yeah, like, a yeah. kind of a big deal at the time. I still like Throwdown. Yeah. I remember when Haymaker came out and somebody had it at Ormond Skate Park, pulled the car up and would just never back down, never give in. And we would just skate and fall down to that. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> As opposed to the normal skate and fall down to silence. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to hit the concrete silently. Plus, we fell down more because we would just, it was dark at Ormond Skate Park and we would just like mosh while we were skating and then we would fall off. <laughs> Ouch. So anyway, the band expressed that the start of their contract with Trustkill was, quote, very positive. However, numerous issues over the years changed their minds. They had to drop off several Warped Tour dates in 2006 when Trustkill failed to pay the bus driver on time. This is like his move. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's I'm gonna, such a shitty move. I'm going to make sure they're going to get to Vermont and then I'm going to say, eh, the check bounce. Fuck you. And also failed to make payments on time while recording Venom and Tears. Josh Grabell dismissed the band's concerns by continuously saying the throwdown was, quote, never happy with anything I did, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so the band left the label with hopes that Trustkill could fix itself and stated, quote, we hope that by making this situation public, Josh will be motivated to get his business in order and set things right with throwdown and everyone else who has been burned by the increasingly difficult situation, end quote. Guys, that's not how you do it. Nope. No, no, no. Uh, I mean... Based on kind of what we've said so far, it sounds like this guy just had trouble scaling his business. Like, he just got into, like, he got in over his head, right? So, like, he got people on Warped Tour, didn't know how to pay bus drivers, and just kind of, like, didn't know what to do, but never owned it. But we'll talk more about that. We've got, we've I mean, got other he, bands. He had cash, man. This dude, this label was successful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just I think he just scaled. He didn't scale well. So, so when uh, he just had money, he would just pick the money up and be like, what do I do with this? And he'd throw it. Yeah, that's pretty much what he did. He would, just, he oh would mail money. He would mail money to the wrong people. That's so much money. I better mail it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> ah! That's too much money. <laughs> oh, oh new character. Money. New character. Josh Grabell being frightened by how much money he's making. <laughs> <laughs> What's the spider money? <laughs> There's too many cards. So... <laughs> Bleeding Through was no different. So, going back to bands having problems with money, uh, in 2007, Bleeding Through suggested to Trustkill that they would like to release a reissue of their 2006 release, The Truth, but the idea was rejected for various reasons. In 2008, Trustkill reissued The Truth with bonus tracks and a bonus <laughs> DVD, <laughs> which the band had no knowledge of. Bleeding Through believes that the reissue is a, quote, fast and overt attempt to pay some bills. <laughs> what a dick move. Nah, we're not putting it out. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that. No, we're going to do that. Oh, we're doing it. 
No, he, he go. He went. He so he went from. No, nah, we're not going to do that. To what happened, buddy? <laughs> now, oh, uh, my god. oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Now, Bleeding Through also <laughs> had issues with Trustkill and their new album De- Declaration. Um, now, Trustkill violated the band's contract by letting them enter the studio in March 2008 and only funding less than 25% of the recording costs. The rest was paid via loans from lead brand singer, lead Brandon singer Chappelle. <laughs> Lead, lead singer Brandon, Brandon Chappelle, yeah, lead Brandon, um, uh, lead his his father, Brandon Chappelle's father, and the band's management. And Bleeding Through commented on the current state of the label: "Quote, Trustkill no longer employs his sales guy, his art director, or his publicist. Trustkill is now Josh and one employee in his basement, as far as we can tell." End quote. <laughs> Doesn't sound like things are going well for Trustkill at this point. Nah. Okay. Now, famed edge goon Todd Jones, uh, bet you didn't think he was going to make an appearance here, uh, also had his own problems with Trustkill. Jones, formerly of the hardcore band Terror and currently of the band Nails, and also hating literally every human that's ever lived ever in history, um, blasted the label president Josh Grebel in 2011 uh, in an interview saying, quote, I also regret ever having anything to do with Josh Grebel, but I know karma is very real and will catch up with him if it hasn't already. Also, let me find that guy who made those carry-on cocaine shirts. Hardcore is not supposed to be funny. End quote. <laughs> That's how I imagine Josh er, Josh Jones, Todd Jones uh, talking. Just very, like, stilted and very, I do not like this man, he, Josh Grabel. He writes such awesome music, but he seems like the most annoying person to be around. He looks like he's, he's he sounds like he's never had fun. No, he just, he seems like such a miserable fuck, but like... And maybe he's not. I don't know him. Maybe that's his, just, that's his outward persona. Nails, Rules, and Terror with Josh Grabel, or, no, Josh Grabel. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta push it away! Push it away! I got too much work! <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Terror with Todd Jones is great, too. I, I love that he's back in the band. The new record's awesome, but The new record he, is the best thing they put out in a long time. He hates fun. Yeah. Now, even Walls of Jericho seemed to have some problems with Trustkill. So there's even more. Uh, in the 2013 radio interview, Dustin Schoenhofer Schoenhofer uh, of, Wall, uh, of Walls of Jericho claimed that the band had finally severed ties with Trustkill Records, stating that while the label helped the band get established, they, quote, owe us quite a bit of money, end quote, and did not fully support the band while engaging in heavy festival touring. So, again, there's kind of a theme here, you know, when they're, where there's, there, it seems like there's a lot of smoke at this yeah, point in time. a lot of them are very unhappy. Yeah, even some of Trustkill's worst groups, and therefore most profitable, had issues with the label. Memphis Mayfire once, uh, were once signed to, signed to Trustkill and later Grabelle's Bullet Tooth. The band song, quote, The Victim, uh, or I don't know why I said quote. The band song, The Victim, uh, that appears in 2011's The Hollow, talks about, quote, much darker times uh, during their time signed with Trustkill Records. Uh, the Victim includes the lines, quote, If I could go back, do it all again, you know that I wouldn't sign my life away, end quote. So, uh, now before introducing Profound. the song... Yeah, you know. Uh, now, before introducing the song, the band call has called Trustkill a shitty label, uh, and have said that they are now proud to be part of Rise Records. The lyrics of the song "Prove Me Right" off the album Challenger discuss the band's struggles with the label, the record label, retrospectively. The Rose from Unconditional contains similar content. They really haven't let that go, huh? Nah, they're writing like multiple songs about being on Trustkill. It's kind of lame. 
Honestly, yeah. even if he did rip you off, it's really yeah. dumb. They probably don't have a lot of uh, other experiences to pull from, it sounds like. Memphis might catch fire. They could write about that. Yeah, they could. They should. Um, maybe their tour bus catches on fire. Now, uh, in late 2010, Nick Brooks and Mike Hadalak of It Dies Today uh, formed a new group called The March. In a MySpace blog, the band posted lyrics to one of their first demos, a song titled Harlots, Thieves, and Fakes. In the blog, a lyric line was capitalized as follows. When trust is killed, you'll only have yourself to blame, end quote. Um Subtle. Uh, now, the band has has not commented on the meaning of the song, but from the rest of the lyrics, it can be inferred that they are referring to the label president, Josh Grabell. And this is probably the lamest one, but It Dies Today was an absolute lame band and not very good. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, so it kind of tracks with the, 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 the nature of the band. So, uh, yeah, it just seems like a lot of the bands that worked with him were unhappy. And we don't know if it's true, but when you have that many people coming out, speaking out against you, I mean, come on. The guy probably didn't know what he was doing. So one thing I would say about that, too, is not it'd be one thing if it was like one singular group of people. But it seems yeah. like you've got like good bands and bad bands that are saying you suck. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. kind of that's kind of an indicator like maybe you're not doing something right. And when multiple bus drivers are like, fuck you, pay me, I'm I'll, I'm gonna leave your bands at this truck stop, <laughs> that seems like kind of a, a different issue too. Oh, I just picture uh Chris Farley from Billy Madison driving them around. <laughs> I'll turn this <laughs> goddamn bus around. All right, so that brings us to our next and final uh, piece of the story. Uh, I like to call it the end beginning. So, <laughs> nice. In 2007, Trustkill signed a dis- distribution deal with Fontana Distribution, which is under the umbrella of Universal. This, of course, resulted in a backlash from purists who felt the label had sold out. Grabel said that it was to ensure Trustkill releases were more widely available. We contend that by this point, Trustkill was so far removed from its beginnings that it didn't really matter what they were selling and where because we weren't buying it. That's true. So in 2010, Grabel finally walked away from Trustkill to form another label called Bullet Tooth, which we mentioned last week. The distributor can still print Trustkill's catalog, which they appear to be doing. The most recent Trustkill release was a reissue of Despair's Pattern Life in 2022 one of the first uh, you know, sought-after Trustkill records. Now, Bullet Tooth has released records by a slew of Trustkill alumni, obviously not the ones that are owed money. He did release uh, Most Precious Bloods Do Not Resuscitate, which is a great record. Yeah, that's a good one, for sure. As well as a coterie of other groups like Save the Clock Tower, Throw <laughs> the Fight, and Deception of a Ghost. So we can't wait to dig into Bullet Tooth one day. And so, just like Victory Records, the story of Trustkill ends not with a bang, but with a whimper, with a win and that. It's a classic <laughs> tale. An owner starts from nothing, builds his empire up until it's a big goddamn deal, then succumbs to popular trends and oversaturates his target market with drivel until all that's left is to sell what remains and move on to something far less remarkable. Tony Victory did it. Now Josh Grabell. It's sort of like the scene in Goodfellas when Polly's crew can't squeeze another dollar out of the restaurant, so they light a match. <laughs> I get that reference. I've seen that movie. I hate you. <laughs> and it begs the question, are hardcore labels 
really meant to get this big? Are they really meant to become household names? Because it never seems like it ends up well. Even Death Wish and Fat, two other labels that we've profiled, are now in steady decline in the frequency and the quality of their releases. It just seems like good things don't say don't stay good once there's a significant amount of money involved. Which is easy for us to say because we don't have any money and we never made any money off our music because nobody <laughs> ever cared enough to give us any. So take that with a grain of salt. But still, it might just be that large amounts of money in the underground don't mix that well, or at least not forever. And that might be the key. Expecting the label to stay an institution, or in Victory's case, a dynasty, is where the error probably lies. If Grabell had parlayed Truskill's success into another upstart label a little earlier, maybe the mishandling of funds could have been averted. Maybe the decline in quality could have been avoided. Or maybe not. I just hope we're not having the same discussion about Triple B one day. So we thought we'd conclude our deep dive with a short list of our favorite Trust Kill releases that we didn't get a chance to really talk about. These are the ones that were released by the label and are good, but maybe they flew under the radar just slightly. I think the first one that um, I, I don't think it flew under the radar, but I feel like because of the acclaim of the first record that they or not the first record, the second record they put out, this record doesn't get enough of um, like maybe it doesn't get talked about in, in enough circles. And that would be Most Precious Blood's Merciless. Yeah, I think this is my favorite Most Precious Blood record. And um, and I think because that song Shark Ethics starts off, it is such a, a fucking Banger of a song. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, first of all, Shark, I think, is the coolest, like, one of the coolest names for a song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, but it starts off with that cool, like, that chant with the, with the, like that. I, dude, yeah, yeah. it's so good. And that whole record is just fantastic. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an example. It's a clinic on how to write a, a really interesting hardcore record where it can be powerful and it can be moving, but also can be a little bit different than the standard formula that you'll get out of most of the hardcore that you listen to. Right. So I think, I think at the time, I think when it came out too, um, you know, a lot of hardcore bands were kind of starting to do something different. There were bands that were coming out that were doing different things with hardcore. that were not the, a standard kind of like you know uh you know boudet 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 type of thing you are finding and so i i just i love this record this is the tour that when they when they were doing this tour this is the tour i saw them on and uh and it just i think it's just if you're i would say if you're going to start with most precious blood start with this record yeah it's it's definitely one of the best ones they ever did i love it um okay so my first one is always the hard way by terror from 2006 Ah, yes. I don't know that I've ever listened to this record. So this was Terror's sophomore LP after one with the underdogs, which in my opinion was perfect. Um, And this one saw a lot more of that old school crossover sound creep into their music. Not as much as the damned and the shame, which came after, but it's pretty close. It's a pretty ferocious record, but it usually gets sidelined for keepers of the faith. Also a classic, but always the hard way. I would say it has a definite leeway influence and not just because Eddie Sutton himself shows up on track seven. So close to defeat man. When his voice drops in, <laughs> try to take me out the match. I said, I get the cracks. It's <laughs> so cool. I love it. Um, always the hard way is just a riff heavy beast 
Scott Vogel's at the top of his game here. Great guest spots, too, because Terror always has great guest spots. You got Aaron Knuckles from Death Thread on You Can't Break Me. You got Eddie Leeway. And you got a track performed, just a whole track dedicated to the Rhyme Sayers, Death Jux, hip-hop artist, Dibs and Murs. Head of its time. Definitely. Yeah. I know I know who these people are. I love this fucking record. It's so good. Smash Through You is top three terror songs. I I mean, okay, I'll I'll give you that. I know I know you're a big terror fan, so um this is my ears So another work. record Well, because your ears work. Okay. Well, I mean, if you like if you like terror, I think you'll like this record too. This is another one that's like a standout for me. Um and they're very similar, and that will be Hope's Falls A types. <laughs> hey Mikey, fuck you. <laughs> I did that on purpose to to upset you. Um, I like so, space. Mm. Space is nice. Space. Yeah, space is nice. Space uh, guitars. I like so space. this was their first. This was their first record without uh, founding member Ryan Parrish, who is the reason they even went to space to begin with. Um, and it's a, a decidedly different sound for this band. They kind of ditched the metalcore sound and went straight up into kind of like indie rock, post rock. Um, mm. And I'm like, I'm here for it. Like it sounds, the song it happens is super catchy. Um, there's definitely more singing. There's like almost no screaming on this record. Um, the song Icarus was like a hit song. They had a music video on MTV for this one. Uh, Breath from Coma was another one that was really good. And uh, I, I, what I really liked about this was it was, a different sound, but it was still super catchy and super interesting to me. Um, Magnetic North kind of continued in that realm, but I don't think that they did it as well on that one as they did with A-Types. Also, I will say the song Icarus was sampled and mashed up when um, Trevor Keith decided to do his weird illegal side project, uh, Legion of Doom, where he was like mashing up like pop songs, like, like emo songs. So he would like take two emo songs and he would like put them together and they would fit really well because every, all of them sound the same, but, uh, they were one of the, they were one of the songs on that. God, Did you not know like, about Legion of doom? That sounds like something I would never want to listen to. Uh, yeah, no, you wouldn't. Now that I think about it, no, you wouldn't want to listen to it. I was going to be like, yeah, maybe no, you wouldn't want to listen to it at all. What else does he mash up? Uh, let me see if I can find it. So Legion of Doom um, is a production team made up of um, Chad Blinman and Trevor Keith. Um, and they did one full length uh, called Incorporated. And it, <laughs> uh, I'm ready this. I want you to know that I, um, I love you and appreciate you. And I know this is the last time we're going to talk because you're going to kill yourself after this. Um, <laughs> The first song is uh, Buried Alive by Senses Fail and You're So Last Summer by T- Taking Back Sunday. Um, he does. And, and so they match up the song titles, too. So it's uh, I Know What You Buried Last Summer. Um, the next song is called Dottie in a Car Crash. So it's I'm a Loner Dottie, a Rebel by Get Up Kids and Understanding in a Car Crash by Thursday. Ugh. The Quiet Screaming, which is brand new in Dashboard Confessional. Um, Lolita's Medicine from, from Autumn to Ashes and Dead Poetic. Uh, Stupid Kill by uh, Alkaline Trio and Thrice. Uh, Destroy All Vampires, which is Static Lullaby and My Chemical Romance. At Your Funeral for a Friend, Saves the Day and Funeral for a Friend. Um, Let's see. Dangerous Business Since 1979, which is Under Oath and Me Without You. That's the one that you're going to shoot yourself. Uh, Icarus Underwater, which is Hope's Fall and Armor for Sleep. Uh, Ebola in Memphis, which is Every Time I Die and Norma Jean. 
there's also Coheed and Cambrian Census Fail. It dies today in Atreyu, Matchbook Romance, and Get Up Kids, in Dashboard, and Sage Francis. I I could do without it. Mm, I think you're missing out. I think you should okay. give it a listen. I would rather listen to the death rattle of my firstborn. Um, well. All right. Well, my next one is a little ditty called All Hail the Dead by Walls of Jericho. It came out in 2004. Hey, that's a good one. So, Walls of Jericho's second LP starts with one of their hardest tracks, the titular All Hail the Dead. Never lets up. I would say uh, there's there's a lot of metallic shred on this record. Fantastic vocals, killer drumming, and a real fuck you attitude. Uh, it's not as well regarded as a bound fee the gagged. I chalk it up to bad cover art. Doesn't have good cover art. It's kind of annoying. It's just kind of a sloppy mess. I, I, I'm gonna say that Walls of Jericho typically doesn't have good artwork. I mean, bound fee like, the gag is good, but I think the rest yeah. of them are kind of like meh. Yeah, they're pretty meh. Um, there's some clean singing on the record. Okay, but I never found it problematic because the majority of the album is just a real punch in the face. And funnily enough, Wes Nightmare does guest vocals on track four, another anthem for the hopeless. And surprisingly, they don't suck. So, yeah, <laughs> that's not I like, nice. I believe it was one of the many CDs that um, <clears throat> some of our friends permanently borrowed from Hot Topic. And uh, I, wound <laughs> up, I wound up with one. So, OK, I like OK, it. never. Yeah, I never grabbed one. that one. Sorry, Sorry guys. Sorry, Walt Jericho. Yeah. Yeah, I never, I never, I never got that one. No, it's okay. They already got paid. Like they don't, they they didn't lose on that stuff. No. All right. So the last one that I picked was uh, I was going through the discography, and you know I'm gonna be honest. I had a really hard time finding any records that I really liked. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I went through. Pretty... I was like, God, there's so many bad ones. Uh, but I found this one, and I forgot. I didn't realize this was on Trust Kill, and that would be Sundowning by This Is Hell. Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, if you're not familiar with This Is Hell, they were a band that was born out of the backup plan and scraps and heart attacks, and they kind of all formed together um, to make this really cool hardcore record that became eventually kind of a thrash metal band. Um, but Sundowning was like kind of like their peak as far as hardcore goes, I think. And Sundowning was good. I went and listened to it today, and almost every song on it's like a fucking banger. But Permanence is the one that everybody um, remembers. It's like, if the good die young, I'll fucking live forever is that big chant at the end of it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, if the good die young, I'll fucking... The production on it's really good. Um, the artwork is decidedly 2006. So when you see it, yeah, it is yeah. 100% you know where it came from. Uh, yeah. But it's good. Like, it's mixed well. It sounds good. The drums are fun on it. Like, drummer um, Dan Burke, who went on the B and Straight from the Path and all that stuff, like, is a really cool, like, interesting drummer. So, um, I don't know. I, I thought this was a really fun one, and I'm glad I got to revisit it today. Yeah, I do like that one. I mean, they're not one of my favorite bands, but they were always pretty good at what they did. Yeah, I think they did. I think what they, they did what they did competently. Yeah, they did American Nightmare, like, mostly better than American Nightmare. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. So, my last one on my list is, I was going to pick Merciless by Most Precious Blood, but I, I figured it was a given. All the records for Trust Kill are great. Our Lady of Annihilation, Merciless, and, uh, what was that? What was that? Do, not, do Not Resuscitate? Do Not Resuscitate, that's Bullet Tooth. Um, but the Rob Fusco records are the best, those are my favorites. But this one is Vendetta by Throwdown from 2005. <laughs> God, I remember everybody loving this record. 
Well, I actually remember it the opposite way because everybody loved Haymaker, but people kind of were like, what is this? Because Vendetta often gets overlooked. It's the record where Throwdown changed their sound. It's not the 90s mosh of You Don't Have to Be Blood to Be Family, which is a great record. Came out in Indecision. That's a fun one. Um, and then it's not the hate breed worship of Haymaker when they got their new singer. Uh, but from here on out, Throwdown was doing everything they could to sound like Pantera. And honestly, did a pretty good job. There's some really cool riffs. Even if I, I, I think their sound suffers overall from a lack of drugs and alcohol. But um, <laughs> other than that, I think Vendetta is great. The song Vendetta is great. The uh, it's just it's all around like a really fun. Oh, that's the song. That's the one with Burn on it. Yeah, that was the hit. That was the hit single. Yeah, but there were other better songs on the record. Yeah, no, I'm just saying I remember that was the thing. Like, that was the song I heard all the time, and I was like, yeah, no, this is good. I mean, I almost, to be fair, I almost put 18 Visions, um, the self-titled record, on mine, too, because I feel like that was like just a really good fucking man rock record. Um, <laughs> like, it, I mean, when you listen to it, you're like, there's a ballad on it, too. Or we'll be tonightless. Uh, it opens, yeah. like, that, that record rules, too. So, um, yeah, everybody can just shut up about it. Well, guys, that's going to do it for Trust Kill Records. I know we might not have covered your favorite records, but it's our show, and we, never and will. we don't care. So <laughs> start your own fucking podcast. Yeah, go ahead and start Trust. I don't want to Trust Kill or whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, that would be that would not be that would not be a good podcast because uh, and and you would end up owing somebody money. Yes, absolutely. All right. So Can we shout out the patrons. I'm tired. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So. Patrons, Mike Osborne, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, Christian Pearlie, Nathan Crozier, Emily Lawson, Jess DeMarco, Casey Crawford, Brian Stewart, Tyler Lagasse, Joe Bergano, Bob Hughes, Carissa Crabtree, and Sam Kuby. Yeah. Y'all are the coolest and we appreciate you so much. Thank you guys. And speaking of the patrons, I got a little announcement for you. So I've been thinking about different things that we can do for our patrons. And I have decided that I am going to bring you a bonus episode every week. Probably not every week, but I'll try to make it every week. <laughs> why uh, why little... don't you aim for once a month? And if you do extras in a month, that's cool. Because it'll take me two fucking years to do it if I do it once a month. What is wrong with you? Um, at any rate, I'm doing a little bonus show. Ten, little 10-minute ten episodes. The show's called Hardcore Hangover, where I go through, review, listen to, and review... <laughs> uh, Treble Zine. I don't know. I don't know who the fuck they are either. Their fifty. Their list of fifty greatest hardcore records of the twenty first century. So I'm gonna go through each one. Gonna review it. Gonna tell you why most of them suck and give you a substitute. But those will be coming out uh, in the new year. I'm gonna basically what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stack them. I already got the first episode written. I'm gonna go through probably stack five at a time and then parse them out, or else I'll go nuts. But that's coming for you guys. Hardcore hangover in the new year should be fun. And we're going like to try to pick it up on it. the we're going to try to pick it up on the Talk Among Us episodes. We got a Christmas one coming at you soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited for the Christmas one. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I got nothing else. Nope, me neither. So, right, that's going to do it thing. for us. Next week we're coming back with the greatest records of the year. Right? That's the plan. Oh, yeah. Okay. I 
I was really confident that I wasn't. All right. So uh, until then, I'm not like this week. Hail good. And good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. I am so sad that Taco Bell Joe had to live through the early 2000s in fashion core. <laughs> oh, buddy, it was it was a wild time. I mean, my pants was cutting off my circulation. I couldn't I couldn't make tacos, buddy. <laughs> couldn't even let alone throw a spin kick. I mean, I don't know what these kids were doing. I had the choker on. I had the diesel jeans. I couldn't move, buddy. My T-shirt was I just dug it. into my skin. Diesel jeans, like they were so expensive. Yeah, it was like $700 for a pair. And mean, meantime, they paid the little uh, Cantonese girl who made them uh, two cents. And then they killed her. They threw her off a building, buddy. I wonder where diesel jeans are now. You know, buddy, why don't we take a look? This is a new segment I call <laughs> Joe Knows It All. <laughs> uh, diesel jeans is still around. Let's see how much the jeans are. Let's you can buy them from Nordstrom. Yeah, I don't like that store, buddy. <laughs> they got an $805 biker jacket, $275 shorts. The jeans range from $195 to $325. This is bullshit, buddy. And all these <laughs> models look like they're so sad they should come by Taco Bell and I'll cheer them up. That's true. They would, they would feel better and they'd probably give up diesel jeans as a result. Poison them. <laughs> dead. Taco, Taco Bell Joe would never poison anybody. I poison them. That's who I'd poison. Diesel jeans models. I hate them, buddy. I hate them. All right, Joe. It sounds like you need a nap. Gotta go, bye. to find us on social media you can find us on instagram at i don't want to hear it pod you can find us on twitter at idwhi podcast you can find us on facebook at i don't want to hear a podcast check out our website at i don't want to hear podcast.com and if you follow the link it came from the beach you can hear all our old bands and the bullshits that we did you can check out our publishing company at wndpress.com and if you would like to submit a work or get published with us, uh, you can email us at info at wndpress.com. If you'd like to reach the show, you can email us at idwhipodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Send us your information. Let us know what you think. Please consider supporting the show. Check out our patron. You get all kinds of cool bonuses, including discounts on merchandise. You get bonus episodes like our Play It Loud and our Talk Among Us episodes and all kinds of goodies. We make a bunch of playlists for you all, too. Find us. It'll be great. It'll be great.